Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Caussade, S.J., Book 2, Chapter 4, Section 9. Divine Love, the Principle of All Good. To those who follow this path, divine love is all-sufficing. While despoiling of all things those souls who give themselves entirely to him, God gives them something in place of them. Instead of light, wisdom, life, and strength, he gives them his love. The divine love in these souls is like a supernatural instinct. In nature, each thing contains that which is suitable to its kind. Each flower has its special beauty, each animal its instinct, and each creature its perfection. Also, in the different states of grace, each has a special grace. This is the recompense for everyone who accepts with good will the state in which he is placed by providence. A soul comes under the divine action from the moment that a habit of good will is formed within it, and this action influences it more or less according to the degree of its abandonment. The whole art of abandonment is simply that of loving, and the divine action is nothing else than the action of divine love. How can it be that these two loves seeking each other should do otherwise than unite when they meet? How can the divine love refuse aught to a soul whose every desire it directs? And how can a soul that lives only for him refuse him anything? Love can refuse nothing that love desires, nor desire anything that love refuses. The divine action regards only the goodwill. The capability of the other faculties does not attract it, nor does the want of capability repel it. All that it requires is a heart that is good, pure, just, simple, submissive, filial, and respectful. He takes possession of such a heart and of all its faculties, and so arranges everything for its benefit that it finds in all things its sanctification. That which destroys other souls would find in this soul an antidote of goodwill, which would nullify its poison. Even at the edge of a precipice, the divine action would draw it back. Or even if it were allowed to remain there, it would prevent it from falling. And if it fell, it would rescue it. After all, the faults of such a soul are only faults of frailty. Love takes but little notice of them, and well knows how to turn them to advantage. It makes the soul understand by secret suggestions what it ought to say or to do according to circumstances. These suggestions it receives as rays of light from the divine understanding 
intellectus bonus omnibus facientibus eum, a good understanding to all that do it. Psalm 111, verse 10. For this divine understanding accompanies such souls step by step and prevents them from taking those false steps which their simplicity encourages. If they make arrangements which would involve them in some promise prejudicial to them, divine providence arranges some fortunate occurrence which rectifies everything. In vain are schemes formed against them repeatedly. Divine providence cuts all the knots, brings the authors to confusion, and so turns their heads as to make them fall into their own trap. Under its guidance, those souls that they wish to take by surprise do certain things that seem very useless at the time, but that serve afterwards to deliver them from all the troubles into which their uprightness and the malice of their enemies would have plunged them. Oh, what good policy it is to have goodwill! What prudence there is in simplicity! What ability in its innocence and candor! What mysteries and secrets in its straightforwardness! Look at the youthful Tobias. He is but a lad. Yet, with what confidence he proceeds, having the archangel Raphael for his guide, nothing frightens him, nothing is wanting to him, the very monsters he encounters furnish him with food and remedies, the one that rushes forward to devour him becomes itself his sustenance. By the order of providence he has nothing to attend to but feasts and weddings Everything else is left to the management of the guiding spirit appointed to help him. These things are so well managed that never before have they been so successful, nor so blessed and prosperous. However, his mother weeps and is in great distress at his supposed loss. But his father remains full of faith. The son, so bitterly mourned, returns to rejoice his family and to share their happiness. Divine love, then, is to those who give themselves up to it without reserve the principle of all good. To acquire this inestimable treasure, the only thing necessary is greatly to desire it. Yes, God only asks for love, and if you seek this treasure, this kingdom in which God reigns alone, you will find it. If your heart is entirely devoted to God, it is itself for that very reason the treasure and the kingdom that you seek and desire. From the time that one desires God and his holy will, one enjoys God and his holy will. And this enjoyment corresponds to the ardor of the desire. The desire to love God is truly to love him. And because we love him, we wish to become instruments of his action in order that his love may be exercised in us and by us. The divine action does not correspond to the aims of a saintly and simple soul, nor to the steps it takes, 
nor to the projects it forms, nor to the manner in which it reflects, nor to the means it chooses, nor to the purity of its intention. It often happens that the soul can be deceived in all this. But its good intention and uprightness can never deceive it, provided that God perceives in it a good intention. He can dispense with all the rest, and he holds as done for him what it will eventually do when truer ideas second its goodwill. Goodwill, therefore, has nothing to fear. If it fall, it can only do so under the almighty hand which guides and sustains it in all its wanderings. It is this divine hand which turns it again to face the goal from which it has strayed, which replaces it in the right path when it has wandered. In it the soul finds resources for the deviations to which the blind faculties which deceive it render it subject. It is made to feel much. It is made to feel how much it ought to despise them and to rely on God alone, abandoning itself absolutely to his infallible guidance. The failings into which good souls fall are put an end to by abandonment. Never can goodwill be taken unawares that all things work for its good is an article of faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why does Father Dickosad say that the aims of a saintly and simple soul are not necessarily in correspondence with the divine action. The steps the saintly soul takes are not necessarily in correspondence. The projects it forms, the manner it reflects, the means it chooses, the purity of its intention. Because the saintly and simple soul, in all its ideas, its plans, its projects, things it's trying to do for God, it can be deceived. Not necessarily sinning, not necessarily doing anything wrong. But its own ideas, even though they're good, are not necessarily in correspondence with God's plans, with the divine action. So what is it that corresponds to God's action? Well, remember what St. Therese said when she was talking to another sister. The sister was so much in admiration of Therese's desire to be a martyr, willingness to give up her faith, her life, because of her faith. Therese said, 
No, that's not what God is so pleased with in me. All of those things that I feel, my desire to go and preach the gospel all over the world, my desire to be a missionary, that's not primarily what makes God pleased with me. What makes God pleased, what God takes so much delight in, is that goodwill. That will to accept and to do whatever he wants. And when God sees that in us, even if we're full of faults, even if we're full of things that are not necessarily where they should be, it's like God overlooks all that. And he holds everything we're going to do later on, when we get things right, when our wills really do get abandoned. It's like he already counts that. He holds it as already done for him. So what is it that we should be praying for wherever we are in the spiritual life? Beginner, proficient, in, the, in this unitive way, in this state of incredible abandonment? What should we be praying for? For divine love. For this goodwill. This will that wants God's will to be done. And notice what he says. To desire God's love is to already love him. To want to love him is already the sign of love. And it's okay if a lot of our time in prayer is spent simply telling God that we want to love him. It's okay if our time in mental prayer, of quiet prayer, is spent expressing to him our wish to love him. That's how St. Philip so often prayed, repeating the little prayers that he taught others to say, like, Lord, I long to love you, but I don't know how. I long to love you, Lord, but I don't know how. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.